So the first thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. God's plans for you are always great. God's plans for you are always great. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now here we see a great example of some great plans. These plans, the Lord uses the word great a lot in, the, in that, those few scriptures. These had something to do with plans for Abraham and Sarah. They were great plans that I'm sure were very humbling. Now, the man that I had the privilege of working for for many years, Kenneth Hagin, uh, he actually made this statement when we were, we were dedicating the new church building in 1992, uh, this big 4,500-seat auditorium, and we had all marched over there and and, and from, the, from the gymnasium where we were meeting over to this big, elaborate, giant building. I mean, it was so... I mean, it, back in those days, in 1992, to see 4,500 seats, especially for me, coming out of a church of 100, that was like going to, you know, an ar- the Amway Center, okay? It was huge. And, and so we were standing there, and it was just cutting edge everything, this orchestra pit that raised out of the stage, and, you know, there was smoke and lights. I mean, it was a big deal. And Brother Hagin stood, stood there, and he made this statement. He said, you know, if I had seen this standing on this street corner in, in Garland, Texas, when I was a little young preacher, this would have scared me to death. But that didn't change the fact that the God had still planned it for him. And so these plans that Abraham and Sarah are receiving from God, that had to be somewhat humbling to know that the, every nation on the earth is going to be blessed because of you. Now you think about that. that. I mean, we all know the story now, and it's like we're looking back on it like a movie, like, oh, of course, and Sarah's going to have a baby. And we all, but think about not knowing any of the stuff we know now and getting a call like that. That's a very heavy thing to deal with. To get a, a big call like that. Okay? Listen, the call of God on your life, whatever it is, wherever it is, to whoever it's to, it, it may not be as, as glamorous as Abraham and Sarah's call where you hear the words all the nations of the world will be blessed because of you. It may not ever come out that way, but it is still a great call nonetheless. It is still something that God is calling you to do because God, come on, needs it done. And you're the only one that can do it. And so I want to say to you, God doesn't plan anything small or mediocre. God's plans are always always, always something great. I like what Martin Luther King said. He said, if, if my purpose on life was to be a street sweeper, I'm going to be the best street sweeper ever. 
If I'm going to be, you know, the, the shrub on the side of the hill, I'm going to be the, the one shrub on the side of the hill that everybody will go, man, there was a shrub that lived. Why? Because that's what I'm called to do, and it's a great calling. So whatever it is you're called to do, just settle it in your mind right now. It's a great thing. All right, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says this, I alone know the plans that I have for you, plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster plans to bring about the future that you hope for now what are you hoping for what are you hoping for because if you're not hoping for something great what what, what would make you want to go and turn around and ask God for something great if he's giving us a future that we're going to hope for go ahead and check and see what it is you're hoping for it's not arrogant to think that God wants to use you for greatness. There's a lot of folks that, you know, I, I, I grew up in northeastern Kentucky. My grandfather used to make this statement a lot. He'd say, now don't get too big for your britches. Anybody ever heard that statement? <laughs> and it was, you know, and, and he, never pronounced, he never said the word humble like most people. He, 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 it's like the H was silent. My grandfather was country, and he would say, humble. You better be humble. Or else you're going to end up, you know, messing yourself up. <laughs> stay humble. Stay humble. And, and, and you know what? And, and, and we, can, it, we can definitely stay humble and still have a great call in our lives. We can still be called to greatness and still be humble. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. This is Paul talking here, and he said, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want you to notice this first, first sentence here in verse number 7. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure. Now, I grew up being taught that, that this was supposed to keep Paul from being in pride and keep him from being arrogant, and that's what he means here. But that doesn't make sense in light of this scripture. If this scripture means that to keep me from being prideful and arrogant, which we've been taught that in, in a lot of mainline denominational churches, to keep me from being prideful and arrogant, there was a messenger from Satan to buffet me or beat against me or keep me. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would Satan want to keep Paul from being prideful? That doesn't make sense, does it? So what does that mean there? Unless I should be exalted above measure. What is he saying? Unless I should be used more than somebody else that's come before me. What do you mean? What, who other people? Who, who's the measuring stick he's talking about here? He's talking about the other, 12, the other 11 disciples, or apostles, I mean. 
He's talking about the other 11 apostles here. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. What does that mean? Unless I should be used more than the other guys because God's showing me more than them. That's what that means. What is that? That's a great call. I mean, this is a guy that's coming in from the outside in. This is the Apostle Paul who didn't walk with Jesus. This is the guy that didn't go and see him feed the 5,000. This, this is a different kind of guy, and now God's wanting to use somebody else to do more than the other guys did. And that's what Paul's call was, to be exalted or used more than the rest of them. And, and here we are sitting here today because of this. Paul was used, come on, more than the rest. He went over to Europe and evangelized all of Europe, which is where most of us, our ancestors heard that message. And then those, those folks sent out missionaries into the rest of the world. And then, and then the Catholics rose up and, and listen, you can say what you want to about the Catholics. The, you can't go anywhere in the world without seeing a Catholic church somewhere. They've evangelized the whole world. Okay? And so Paul's message being used above measure was a great call. We don't have to do things like the generations before us just for the sake of doing it like they did it. We're our own people, our own identity. We have our own call. Come on, somebody. This is a lot better than you're acting right now. All right. We have our own call. We have our own strengths. We have our own things that we do well. And it doesn't matter how old you are right now or how young you are right now. God still has a great call on you. And you don't have to imitate somebody else. You don't have to do it the way somebody else did it. You don't have to... Listen, if it's just as something as simple as having a relationship with God, I don't have to have a relationship with God the way you have a relationship with God. i got my own relationship with God. And that's a great calling in and of itself. I don't have to pray the way my mom and dad prayed. See, this is where a lot of folks miss, miss it because they try and do it the way they've seen somebody else do it. Somebody gets a great call in their life and they immediately start looking for a cookie cutter way to do it so that they don't have to think about it. Listen, you're an individual. You're, a, you're an original. There's nobody else like you. Now listen, we can get some wisdom and we can get direction and we can get advice from people. But listen, you are unique. You have a call of your own. You have been made specifically to do something for God. Don't try and just copy somebody else. A good friend of my father-in-law's, an author named John Mason, he makes this statement. He says this, you're born an original. Don't die a copy. Okay? Now, let's just, let's just say we accept that. Okay, God, Brent, you're right. I, I have a great call on my life. I, I, okay. I'm ready to be used for greatness. I'm ready to have great things in my life. I'm ready to be that. What do we do about it? The big key that people miss it when it comes to receiving a great call is this. They make the mistake of thinking that the great call is just for them. Okay? The great call on our life is not just so, you know, we can drive a, you know, a Mercedes and have a big bank account and an expensive wardrobe. I don't, have, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
You drive a Mercedes, glory to God. You got a big bank account, glory to God. Pay your tithes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't have, I, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But those things should be coming as a result of you doing a great call for the kingdom of God. It's not the reason that we do the great call. Come on. All right? I want you to look at this plans for Abraham. The plans that he gave to Abraham. He says, I will make your name great. That's going to affect Abraham. Okay? You know, and, and, and let's just go back and read it. All right? I will, make your, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Okay? I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, now that's, that's something that affects Abraham. This is a good call. This is a good thing. But notice that every one of those things had to do with somebody else. Okay? I will make you a great nation. Come on, a nation isn't just one person. If, there, if you're a nation of one person, man, you're not much of a country. I'm pretty sure you have no military. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that somebody could conquer you real quick. <laughs> so what's he talking about? He's like, listen, Abraham, your name is, is your, your line, your, your kids are going to make up this great nation. You're going to be the father. But how many of you know you can't be a father unless there's somebody else involved? So the call didn't just have an effect on him becoming a, a wealthy man. It was the fact that he was going to give birth to a race of wealthy people. Come on, somebody. All right? I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall... Come on, look here. Again, he's telling you to do something else. Be a blessing. If I'm going to have a great call in my life and do great things and have greatness in my life, then it's, it should be me going out and blessing somebody else. That's what he's telling him to do here. All right? Now, i got to go back and look where I was. Give me one second. Most people miss it because they think it's all about themselves. God has great plans for Abraham, but then he also, what the plan was, is to create this race of people, but then also he wanted to get Jesus to the earth. So in order to make Abraham great, he was put in a position, making this position to get Jesus to the earth. Y'all know he came out of that line. Jesus came as a descendant. And once Jesus got here, now what happens then? That affects all the rest of us. So this great call Abraham receives wasn't just for him. It was for the Jewish race. Come on. And now it's for the Christian race. Come on, somebody. It was always bigger than just the person that's doing the great things. All right? God has great plans for us, but his plans for us are to make sure his bigger plans that affect other people get fulfilled. If I have a great call in my life, I should be carrying this great call to affect somebody else. Come on. Right? Do you have God's power living on the inside of you? Come on, how many of you have a, have, a, have, a, have a relationship with Jesus? 
All right, listen, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you've got the power of God living on the inside of you. That's a great, I mean, it's the same power that created the universe. Come on, the, the same power that spoke and said, let there be light, and boom, there was light. I mean, that's the same power. You have it living on the inside of you. Is it just so that we can look at people in the, that don't have that power on the inside and be like, ha-ha, sucker, look what I got, and you don't? No, it's so that we can go out and help them when they're hurting. And show them that same power. Introduce them to that same power. Do you have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords living on the inside of you? Come on, do you? Then you, then you should be having those great things happen around you. Should be affecting those around you. Now a lot of times people doubt or are very surprised when you say you have a great call in your life. Now, when I say great call in your life, I mean, now listen, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Anybody else grow up Pentecostal? All right. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and every so often, you know, they get a little squirrely. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we had those prophesying services, you know, where somebody gets the spirit of prophecy, and they just go and tell something about something for everybody in the room. I got a word for everybody in the room. And 95% of them were all the same. Come on, somebody. You remember that? And 95% of them was, I've called you and I love you. <laughs> it's always that. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? All right? And so we, we hear those kind of things, but, but yet we still have this, really? Does, does God really want to use me or, or does he re really have a greatness for me or, or great great things in store for me I mean does that really happen I mean when you tell some people that, that that God's called them to do great things they really are we ready with that lit are you ready okay all right some you, you you tell people that they got great things in store for them and they usually look at you like this right here everybody watch this That's the way they look at you. It's like, you got a great, you got a great call in your life. What? I, no way, not me. If, it, if, I, if I would, I would be doing this. Or if I would, I would already have this. Or I, if I would, it would already fix this. And if it would, it was already like, you know, we already start, and we talk ourselves out of it. We doubt it. We don't believe it. This is how we feel. Listen, God's plans are always so big that you can't wrap your mind around it. If God's plans make perfect sense to you and you can figure it out, then you, you've already achieved that part. Let me, let me clarify that. God's plans have to have faith involved. Which means... I don't know how this is going to happen. <laughs> it, I don't know how it's going to happen. I, I have no idea. It's just like when we told, told Stuart, the owner here, I said, yeah, we'll have you that money before we move in. I had no idea where it was coming from. None. I thought, well, should I sit down, write the church, tell them what's going on? I mean, what, I mean sh should we ask everybody for a little bit of money? I mean, what should we do? And I never could settle on it. I, I mean, we started a letter two or three times to you guys and just could never settle on it. It just, it just never, just never went together, all right? 
But it's like we knew we were supposed to do it. And we knew it. And, and it's like, I don't know how. I don't know how. That's when you know it's God's plan. When you don't know how you're supposed to get there, but you know you're supposed to get there. That's a big step. And that's a great call. That's when you know God's calling you to do great things when you don't know all the answers. And, in, and that's the thing that we have to get past. Everything, listen, if we know how to do it, great, do it. But you've already achieved that part. You're there. You're, you're already functioning in that. That's not faith anymore. That's, that's knowing. Okay? It's when we try to accomplish, now catch this, it's when we try to accomplish the full task with our current faith and our current ability that we mess things up. Our current faith and our current ability can only take us to where the current plan is revealed. You can't go past that. Genesis chapter 16, good example of it. Genesis chapter 16, verse number 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now she's heard this call that Abraham has, Abram as well. You know, you're going to be great. You're going to have a, you know, a great country. And you're going to, you know, the, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed because of you. She's heard this. Her current faith and her current ability are not there. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar, and she conceived... And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Now, at this stage of the game, the call was legit. The call was great. They don't know how it's going to happen. They don't know how we're going to have children that are going to be, you know, blessing of uh, uh, the whole nations of the earth. I don't know how we're going to, I don't know how we're going to be made a great nation. That's the legitimate call. And when they tr she tried to figure it out with her current faith and her current ability, what happened? <laughs> we messed it up. <laughs> it's messed up. We listen, we're still paying for that. All the stuff in the news right now started right here. <laughs> this, is, this is the reason Syria is happening right here. <laughs> this, this all happened right there, okay? All the stuff uh, that's happened in the Middle East... Right there, started in Genesis um, chapter 16. <laughs> All right? God's future plans are not completed on your current faith or your current ability. This is our mistake. I want to say to you to this, it is a journey, it is a process to greatness. It's not an instant transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Don't be impatient. 
Don't get so in a hurry to get it done. Don't, oh, I see that great thing and I want to make it happen. And I'm the world's worst at that. I, I've been guilt. I'm, I'm, listen, if we had to ask who's guilty of that, I'd have to lay down on the ground, raise both hands and both feet. Because I'm, I am overly guilty of trying to make things happen that I know are going to be good. Listen, you can't make things happen. Now, Sarah had the ability in her to be a mom. She had all the tools necessary. She had the womb. She had the ovaries. She had a husband. Everything. What else do you need? You know what they call two married people that don't, don't use birth control, right? Mom and dad. Come on, y'all are way too serious this morning. That's what they call them. Two married people that don't use birth control. Mom and dad. So she's got everything she needs. Except for one thing. She's 90 years old. 90. Let me say that again. Nine zero. I don't know about you, but that just makes me go... That's disgusting. Awful. 90. So what happened? What's the change? Let's close with this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. Not just a little bit past the age. We're talking 55 years, 65 years past the age. Okay? Because she judged him, come on somebody, faithful who had promised. She dared to say, okay, I still got it. Come on somebody. I'm 90 years old, but I still got ovaries. Come on. I'm, I'm 90 years old. I still got a womb. Abraham, come on, boy. We're old. But I still look good, don't I? And he's like, dang right, girl. I still got it. And at 90 years old, and he was about 110, here comes Isaac out of the womb. Why? Because they realize the process of the great call is still there. And you still got it. Even if you, they had never been parents before, on the backside of their life, on their way, halfway to the grave. The Bible says she only lived to be 127. So she lived, what, uh, 37 more years? 37 more years. Can you imagine being 90 and having a, newly, or a, 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 a newborn? I couldn't imagine, I'm 40 and I couldn't, I mean, we got a two-year-old and I'm, I'm 42 and I'm like, I can't imagine being 90. She dared to believe that she still had it. She, she dared to believe that the call of God was real. She dared to believe that she could still be what God called her to be. 
She dared to believe God's great power was at work in her. She dared to believe that despite the impossibilities, all things are possible. Come on, somebody. To him that believes. He, he, he dared to believe it today. Dare to believe the dreams that you had in those young days. Dare to believe, to, 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 to get them back out and dust them off. Dare to believe and say, the things that I used to do, oh, I wish I could do it. You can. Dare to believe that you can do, come on somebody, all things through Christ who strengthens you. Dare to believe those things. Don't let anyone or anything tell you that those plans are dead. It's too late. It's never going to happen. God, God designed you to be that. Just like he designed Sarah to be a mom and Abraham to be a dad. He designed you to be the great thing that you wanted to be when you were younger. He designed you to be the great thing that you dreamed about. He designed you to be successful in business. He designed you to be successful in ministry. He designed you to be successful in your job. He has designed you to do the these things it's time for you to dust them off and say it with me I still got it <laughs>